Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Thursday. It is the 4th of October, 2018. As you can tell, I am once again in the old mobile studio. I'm recording on the Ederall. And I've got a little bit of a surprise for you once I uh, get some of that contact info posted. So, if you would like to contact me, there are a few different ways that you can do so. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would prefer to send in your own audio or send in an email and have me get those out on the show for you, be more than happy to do that. The email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Over on the website, you'll find links to my social media stuff, which is YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like the show and you wanted to support it financially, there is also a donation button located there as well. All right, well, what is my little bit of a surprise? Now, many of you guys know I live in Arizona, but I am actually driving in Utah. I'm in the Salt Lake City area. I actually just left Orem. I'm headed up towards Park City, and uh, I'll be running around and goofing around all through uh, Salt Lake City and some of the other stuff. My uh, wife and my daughter and actually some friends of ours are up here with us, and I've, uh, I've got a couple of friends of mine that uh, are that live up here and uh, that do another show they do a horror uh, excuse me a horror podcast and I'm gonna actually be on their show I'm gonna go and record with them tomorrow and then of course if we turn the dial on the Wayback machine to 2012 that's when I was last up here and I was doing the Masada Yub group the mag 40 and uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit about that as far as kind of what did that entail uh, what kind of class that was so it was a a week-long class it was 40 hours half of which is classroom stuff where you talk about what it means to be armed how you do it legally what are some of the ramifications uh, when would you be covered when would you not if you're ever in a self-defense type situation uh, how you have to comport yourself in court those type of things And then the other half is a live fire, so you're on a range. You learn about the different stances and some of the philosophies behind, you know, why you do it, how you, you know, uh, uh, basics of grip and all that other stuff. So it is a good, uh, the live fire portion of it is not like a super advanced thing, but it is, it would be good for a beginner or just as a refresher, so... Uh, the main thing is, though, you get uh, to do the course with a guy who is, you know, undoubtedly the uh, one of the leading experts in the field as far as the legality and going to court and things like that. I, I don't know. I think he's probably the number one guy uh, that's that's teaching in the country today. I don't think that there's probably anybody that's better 
maybe there's some guys that come pretty close, but the encyclopedic acknowledge or the encyclopedic knowledge. There we go. That the that uh, Mossad has and just at his fingertips. He's been doing it for so long, and it's not that oh he knows all this stuff from the '80s. I mean he's very current. So if you ever get the chance to do it, if a uh, Mag 40 or a Mag 20, you can do Mag 20 where it's just a classroom, or a Mag 20 where it is uh, just a live fire. So if you ever get the opportunity to train with him, I would say go ahead and do that. Um, there are lots and lots of benefits to training with him. Um, one of the things is, is if you go through his course and you pass it, and you're shooting, you, you let's say you got involved in a, uh, a justifiable self-defense shooting, and they end up taking you to court, one of the things that he's, as a MAG-40 graduate, that you can do is he will come and testify. Now, if it was an unjustified thing or a thing where you were way out of line, then he's probably not going to do that because he's going to say, look, you know, you, you, you went beyond, you crossed the line, you went beyond the pale of, of what is legal. Uh, but anyway, kind of enough of that stuff. So when, when I left Arizona, it was about, oh, I'd say 102 or so. We'd had some rains, so the temperature had dropped a little bit. But uh, over the last few days, it had been up in the hundreds. And right now I'm up here, and it's about 50 degrees, which is a nice welcome change. It's also raining, so the, the week that we're going to be spending up here is supposed to be kind of wet and uh, a little cool for us but it is going to be a welcome change. Now, let's revisit that Wayback Dial. Many of you guys uh, may remember the Gun Dudes podcast, and one of the guys that was on that is Travis, and I'm hoping to meet up with Travis as well and be able to get some spend some time with him. Uh, hopefully it'll work out to where his, uh, his work schedule works out and we'll be able to kind of hook up and all that kind of stuff. So... I think that is going to do it for, well, I thought maybe I'd just do this intro section, but I guess I will uh, go ahead and do a little bit more. On the last show, I had talked a little bit about Kavanaugh. And what do I think is going to happen with that? And I kind of thought, oh, he's going to get confirmed. But then more stuff kind of came out, and, and what I had talked about a little bit was that I thought mostly this was a delay tactic. I still, I still believe that's what it is. Uh, now, with all this stuff, and well, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about with this, uh, but with the, um, with the stuff that I talked about with Jeff Flake, who is our senator out in Arizona. Now, he's on his way out. He's going to be retiring, and I think he has some aim to, I don't know, perhaps run for president. I don't know if he'll try to do that in 2020. I don't think he'll, he'll win. You know, as, as a Republican, he was never very strong. He was... Similar in a lot of ways to McCain in that he was very, in a lot of issues, kind of leaned much more left. It used to be maybe you would call him 
a moderate Republican, but really his last few years, what he kind of turned into was a maybe almost like a right-leaning Democrat with a lot of the stuff that he does. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot. Of, he was a guy, you know, that was kind of going to lead the forefront with saying how he was going to fight Trump and all this other stuff. And whether you like Trump or not isn't really part of the, of the discussion here as far as when we're looking at him as far as as a politician. The, and really the reason that he retired is that... He, I would say that he he probably saw a lot of the writing on the wall in that I really don't think he would have won another election. Uh, he had kind of alienated his base. Uh, you know, he was one of the guys that was the never Trump people and anybody but Trump type thing. And again, I'm not giving any endorsement, good or bad, to Trump or saying one thing or the other. Uh, but... got a slow slow driver up here all right anyway um i don't i don't think he was going to win and that's why i think he's he's kind of doing a lot of what we used to call white knighting or they you know you have like the social justice warrior guys and he pretends to be something that he's kind of not and i think that's pretty much you know kind of what he's doing i think if he did have eyes for the presidency i think he's trying to come off as oh i'm I'm sort of the moderate guy. I'm I'm the guy who's reasonable. I'm this. I'm that. But again, most people in in modern politics, you either you sort of have to be on the extreme end. And if you're not, then people are don't, they don't really want anything to do with you. Um, politics has become again so divisive that. Uh, there kind of unfortunately is no room for the middle the middle guy anymore which is like I said which is kind of unfortunate because you sort of have to toe the party line no matter what and it seems like the days of maybe somebody kind of standing up are long gone and you'll still see occasionally guys will do stuff but usually it's very calculating. You know, they'll, they'll make a stand on things when it doesn't really matter. You know, we see that a lot with the Democrats. Well, they'll, uh, you know, we used to call them, what, blue dog Democrats or something like that, where they're supposedly a Democrat but, and they're reportedly pro-gun. But when it comes right down to certain things, uh, and if it's something that really matters, to, generally they'll vote the party line, which is anti-gun. A lot of times what they'll do is when they know it's going to pass anyway, they'll have these guys vote. They'll say, okay, go ahead and vote yes on this, you know, pro-gun legislation because it's going to go through anyway and you might as well get some brownie points. And that way we can, we have a much better shot of keeping you in there. So, uh, again, a lot of a kind of a big aside here on getting back to Kavanaugh. We've got the November elections coming up. They're going to vote on this guy probably sometime this week, maybe next week. I don't think it's going to get delayed any further. I think he will be confirmed. One thing that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is that if he does get confirmed, and I can't say, oh, well, it's 100% he's going to get confirmed, but 
one thing, again, going back to one thing I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is that if this guy does get confirmed and stuff goes up to the Supreme Court and it is on a thing where it's more of a, oh, it, it could maybe kind of go either way. You know, it could either go left or right. What do you think this guy is going to do? He's, you know, they're, they, they've treated him so poorly. And, you know, we can talk about things like, well, do you automatically believe an accuser? And one of the things that I think that we have to do is we have to have due process, which means that the accuser needs to be heard and needs to be taken seriously. But it also means that the person who is the accused gets due process as well, that they are presumed innocent until proven guilty, and that I don't think that's what's happened in the press if we and, and in the media. And if we look at, I thought it was very interesting what Cory Booker had said. Now this guy is, man, what a waste of... What a waste of human flesh this guy is. Uh, you know, he, he, he kind of goes back to that, the, the simulation theory. You, this is somebody you would make up in a movie. You know, this isn't somebody you would think is a real person. Uh, because he's a guy, you know, who openly wrote about that he basically, you know, by, the, by their own standards sexually assaulted somebody or was very sexually aggressive or inappropriate with someone and but he gets a pass on it so anyway you know you got what he said was you know what it doesn't at this point it doesn't matter and I'm going to paraphrase him a little bit because I'm driving but he was basically saying it doesn't matter whether this guy is guilty or innocent it doesn't matter if, if he's found to be innocent what matters is how many questions have been brought up about this guy's character? How many accusations have been made? And if we feel that there's been too many accusations, that that it doesn't matter, that we should put somebody else forward. Which basically means, you know, due process be damned, all we have to do is get people willing to come forward, whether it's true or not. And if he's accused multiple times, and even if nothing can be proved, well, too bad. You know, and, and it's a it's a it's a way to get the person that you want out to get them out of the running and out of consideration. I find it rather odd the short sightedness of it though, in that they don't think that the Republicans are gonna do that. Now of course the Republicans now are saying, Oh, we're so virtuous and, and we're so you know, we're we're as uh, White as the driven snow, or as pure as the driven snow. That would, you know, there's no stain upon us, and there never will be. We'd never do this. Well, that's a load of crap because you know, this, the second they had the opportunity to do something like that, they would. You know, but right now they're, you know, they're kind of saying how virtuous they are and all this other type of thing. So, anyway, uh, I do think he'll be confirmed. He, I've, I've talked about his stance on Second Amendment stuff, which I think is pretty good for us. I think that his stance on other things as far as 
government overreach uh, on privacy, things like that, is very poor. He generally tends to come down on the side of the government. So he's always going to, I won't say always, the majority of the time I feel that in any case where there's overreach of the government, where if we think that, oh, the government is overstepping its bound, it's, it's going beyond the limits that were set upon it in the Constitution, he is not going to be a guy who is going to say, yeah, you know what, we need to pull back on that. And things like the Patriot Act and, and uh, the NSA spying on everybody and gathering all this information, that's not constitutional and you're, you're circumventing basically every citizen's right to due process. Well, he's shown time and time again that that's not what he believes. And he is one of these guys who will say, well, almost one of these guys, well, if you got nothing to hide, you know, why worry about it? And you would, now who knows, will that change now that he's gone through this type of thing where he's, they've kind of crawled up his rear end with the microscope and, and uh, even maybe some would say, I don't know that I would say this, but some would say, you know, they've even, you know, shoved stuff up there to find that type of thing, but Anyway, I know I'm kind of off on some tangents, so let's uh, kind of bring it back around to the gun stuff again. This guy knows that the far left, and even probably even I would say the, the moderate left, for the most part, is anti-gun. So what do you think is going to happen when pro-gun stuff is going to come up there? And maybe, let's say, it gets before the court, maybe, you know, he would have been kind of in the middle or on the fence about something, could have gone either way. Well, how do you think he's going to rule now? And it's like I was had mentioned a little bit earlier. How do you think he is, do you, do you think he is going to say, oh, now I'm, I'm in this lifetime position. You can't really kick me out. Uh, because you're not really going to have any once I'm confirmed, there's there's going to be really no legal reason to be able to get me out. I'm 53, maybe 54, I forget how old he is. I'm going to be on the Supreme Court for at least 20, maybe 30 years. What do you think is going to happen? How do you think I'm going to rule? When I see stuff that's coming up that I know would benefit maybe the left, do you think I'm going to rule that way? Now, you could say, oh, he's a conservative guy. He's not going to do that. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he would have said, you know what? The law says this. Well, now maybe he says, you know what? I, you know, I saw what you guys did to me. I'm not going to forget that. Guess what? You know, you guys are never, ever going to get a ruling from me. And I think maybe that's part of... Part of some of the fear of the Democrats now is that they're thinking, uh-oh, we've, we've kind of pushed this guy pretty far. What, if he gets in, what's he going to do? Or do they think, well, you know what, uh, we're going to take back the House in, um, and maybe the Senate come November, and even if he gets on, and even if a couple of other people retire or there's, uh, 
you know, there's health issues or something like that, or somebody passes away, and we're probably talking more about uh, Ginsburg. You know, she's 86, 87, something like that. You know, who knows how much longer she's going to be on. If she, if she were, let's, well, let's say this. Let's say that the Democrats have the majority on there. On, um, they take the House and the Senate back so that they're going to be the ones that are going to be able, by a vote with a simple majority, are going to be able to, oh, kind of hold, uh, I don't want to say hold hostage, but they're going to have the controlling votes on who's going to get in there. So basically, it's kind of like with the, Demo- with the uh, Republicans now. Unless you have somebody that really kind of poops all over themselves, Kavanaugh is probably going to get returned. If for no other reason, just to teach the Democrats, well, you keep okay. You think you can do this? You can. But let's say though that with this election, that we see the Democrats gain control, and what they then do is they have, as as part of a strategy, they have Ginsburg go ahead and she retires so that they're not going to be able to delay this stuff for the next two years as far as you know being able to put somebody on there but maybe what they can do is they can get somebody like a Kennedy up there if uh, if not somebody who's super super liberal but somebody who's moderate but kind of leans more left more often than not and because they have the votes, what they can do is they can say, well, we want this person, we want this, and we're just going to keep delaying it until you give us what we want, that type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do uh, if that is the case. I would not be surprised to see something like that because then they can say, well, we've got two years to kind of connive and wheel and deal and get somebody on there who, if nothing else, will keep the status quo uh, what they do not want to have happen is, especially if things remain the same with the uh, with the 2018 election, if stuff does remain the same, uh, they do not want Ginsburg to retire. They're going to want her to go out because I think they they I'm pretty sure that they feel that well the 2020 election, the presidential election, Trump is out. There is so much uh, ill will and hatred of this guy that everybody who's a Democrat will run out there and they will turn out and uh, and so we'll take it back in 2020 no matter what so anyway I think um, it's going to be interesting the next couple of months we'll see what's going to happen but let's talk a little bit about some gun stuff let's talk about what I've been doing over on YouTube, and I haven't got very many, very many views over there, and I, I realize, you know, people kind of, there's there's X amount of people that listen to this show, but I thought I'd get a little bit more views. But go over there on YouTube, check it out. You can uh, go over to the website, click on that, or you can, uh, my channel is Every Blade of Grass, and you'll be able to find the videos on there. And I'm doing my Project AK upgrades, where I'm just sort of... Um, putting a little bit of lipstick on the pig, so to speak. So what I've done so far is I've uh, put the stock adapter to go to an M4 type stock or an AR-15 type stock, I guess if we want to kind of get technical about it. But I, uh, I did that and then I put on the stock and I've done the, um, 
right, well, I'm sorry to pause there a little bit, but I got the traffic stuff going on. But anyway, uh, I also put the pistol grip on, which isn't, you know, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, you pop that thing in and out. Uh, so that's not a big deal. So the next thing, I, the next video I'm going to do is I'm going to work on the hammer and on the trigger. And pretty much all I'm going to do with that is just take a little bit of sandpaper and just smooth it. Uh, sometimes guys on those Tapco, the G2 triggers will, it has kind of uh, some sharp angles on the actual hammer and that can kind of uh, not give you the smoothest action when you're pulling back the bolt, that type of thing. Some, and also, uh, so some guys will actually kind of remove some of the metal on that hammer. I don't think I want to do that. I think what I want to do is just sort of polish it up a little bit. So take a little bit of sandpaper, kind of smooth out some of the machine marks a little bit, um, get things to where things are just running in there nice and smooth. So in the, uh, the bolt carrier where the bolt rides in, I may smooth that out a little bit. Again, won't not necessarily taking off any metal, but just sort of knocking off some of the high spots, that type of thing, uh, getting everything where it runs and it wants to and give it the, the best chance it'll have at running kind of nice and buttery smooth. Also, I'm going to, again, go in, take a little bit of sandpaper, polish up the rails, and see how that works and I've talked about before that I had gotten my thing from a, a local builder out here had I known what I know now I would have done things a little bit different I probably would have gone for a rifle dynamics uh, uh, thing right there but you know you sort of live and learn that type of thing so anyway uh, and of course when I bought mine it was uh, way back when when an expensive AK was around six to eight hundred dollars, and you could pick up a like a Wasser, or a, you know Romanian, or some of the old, uh, maybe even some of the uh, Polish stuff for around like four hundred bucks. You could find that stuff all day. Now, the quality of them maybe wasn't that great, and so I figured, well, for an extra couple hundred bucks, I think I ended up. I, I think I want to say I paid about six hundred for mine, something like that. Which, you know, at the time I was like, boy, that's like 200 bucks higher. You know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And um, the next sort of level that if I had gone with maybe like a Krebs or uh, maybe with uh, Rifle Dynamics would have been a couple hundred dollars more than that at the time. So, uh, you know, like I said, live and learn. Um, the, there's a couple other things that I will do with the AK as well. I'm going to put on the uh, master mount. And the way that that works is that you replace the shepherd's hook. Uh, and you, so you take that thing out and then you, you uh, are replacing your hammer pin and your trigger pin. And you have a... On AKs, though, a lot of them will have... For the optics, they have a side mount uh, bracket, and then you uh, attach another mount to that. You actually you have your your bracket. So think of it kind of like a Picatinny rail on an AR or a uh, M-lock or key mod. So that's kind of what you're doing. Uh, probably more in line with like a Picatinny rail type thing as far as you know what you'd be doing type deal. So what you do is you you 
take your, your hammer and your trigger pin out and the master mount goes on the left side of the rifle or the non-ejection side port if you want to look at it that way and the, your, the, mount, the way that it mounts on is your pins go through that, lock that in and then you screw it in on the other side and those pins replace again the trigger and the hammer pins so you no longer need the shepherd's hook or a bracket or anything like that and then everything else is, is about the same. And then what that lets you do is you, it lets you use some of the different type of mounts. It seems to work really well with the RS Regulate mounts. And so that's eventually what I will get on that to be able to put optics on there and have a good chance of retaining zero, that type of thing. So I don't know what kind of uh, optic I'll get for that. I don't know if I will maybe use one of my red dots and kind of zero that in for it. Uh, you know, I do have an Aimpoint Pro. Maybe I'll use something like that. Uh, I might use a, uh, that RMR type thing that I have. I may try, you know, a different, I've got the uh, Trigicon AccuPoint 1 to 4 that I may try and see how that does, you know, for me, that type of thing. So anyway, uh, I also bought kind of a, the cheese grater for the, the handguard that or the the uh, gas tube cover that goes on there and so it's it's uh it's basically just a little metal thing and it's got a bunch of little holes all through it so it kind of looks like a cheese grater and really it doesn't really do too much i kind of bought it just for the uh, the shits and giggles of it that type of thing so uh, we'll see kind of how that works out um let's see what other upgrades am I going to do to it? Other than that, I think that's kind of going to be about it. Like I said, I will put some optics on and stuff. So, all right, guys, I think I'm going to sign off for this segment. I will talk to you soon. Hey, guess what? You've not only been time warped, but location warped as well. I am back in Arizona and today is Thursday, the, I believe it's the 11th of October, 2018. Even though it's been a few seconds for you, it's been almost a week for me, I guess. So anyway, when last I left you guys, I was talking about Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court, and are they going to confirm him? Well, they did end up confirming him. Now the big to-do is about if the Democrats take over the House or the Senate, you know, are they going to try and impeach him? You know, realistically, I think that a lot of this stuff is just talk. It's saber-rattling for their base so that the people that are in power, if they are coming up for election, can uh, get support out there and they can they can say that oh you know we fought the good fight well we just didn't have the numbers for them again like I'd spoke about before it is a, a no-lose situation as long as they keep their seat I should say so even if even if things remain the same for the people that are in office now like I said there is no there is no downside. 
all they're doing is appealing to their base they're preaching to the choir however you want to put it somebody like me who's libertarian is never going to vote for a democrat Somebody who is ultra-conservative is never going to vote for a Democrat. And even if you have somebody who was, let's say, maybe we'll call them conservative light with the amount of rhetoric and the amount of vitriol that's being spit out there and the amount of hyperbole, that person who maybe as conservative light and probably would have voted for somebody who they would say, oh, well, this person's a Democrat, but maybe they're good on uh, several key issues, or maybe they're that, you know, quote-unquote blue dog Democrat, which I think as time goes on, they have sort of shot themselves in the foot, no pun intended, by being so divisive and by being so partisan that you know what what the left or even if we just say what the uh, what the Democrats are really starting to do now is as a as a party they used to be able to say you know we've got some people that they are good on guns because that's what their district is but they're getting and, and so we're not going to sort of run on gun control issues. We're not going to uh, you know, do that type of thing. And what we're seeing lately is that they are kind of moving more towards that, moving towards where they're saying, well, we're not going to get that maybe middle-of-the-road guy anyway unless we can... Oh, maybe appeal to some of those anti-gun people that may be kind of middle of the road or that think that well yeah there's a lot of rhetoric but you know what we do need some stronger gun control stuff we need some stronger gun laws and so maybe that's who they're trying to go out uh, and go after or maybe a lot of the people in the party just don't uh, can't really read sort of trends in the country but again, this, most of this stuff you have to understand is not appealing to somebody like me or somebody who is a conservative. They're not trying to make an appeal towards, towards me or towards those type of people. They're only trying to appeal to their base. They're only trying to get their base to come out. They really think that this 2018 election, uh, I think that they're going on more of like a Histrionics is their, is their campaign platform, and they're trying to get their base out to come out and vote, and they're, I guess, relying on more of kind of the right and kind of that conservative light person maybe staying home this election because they're, they're thinking, well, they've got Trump, they've got the White House, they've got... Uh, House and the Senate, and so maybe some of those people will be a little apathetic and won't come out and won't cast their votes. And, you know, some people, again, say, oh, voting doesn't matter, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but again, I go, 
I don't like the current political system, but the reality is that if you are a pro-gun guy, and unless you could get a lot of people in there who would be more constitutionalist and who would, and even with that, you still you would want to get people in there who believe not only in what the spirit of the Constitution says and what it was meant to do, which, and by that I mean it was meant to put the individual as the supreme being. So uh, a lot of times we talk about the supremacy of the individual. What does, what does that mean? And we've talked about before on the show that if you protect the rights of the individual, you protect the rights of everybody. And some conservatives say they get that, but they do that until it's time to re-up the uh, Patriot Act. Until it's time to increase spending for the military. And, and instead of saying, okay, well, let's look at what we're actually spending. Let's look at where the money goes. And let's see if we can do it more efficiently. Let's see if we can uh, provide proper uh, services, I guess, to the people in the military, to the people that are in uh, police departments and fire departments, things like that, that in theory are supposed to provide services to us. And let's look at, you know, should we be in all these foreign wars? Should we have bases in all these foreign countries? Should we be in NATO? Should we be in the UN? Should we, you know, and just take a look at this stuff and don't give sort of just a knee-jerk reaction. Actually try and look at certain things with some logic and some reason and say, well, what is our benefit? Does our does the cost outweigh to to us does, does the negative cost outweigh the positive benefit that we get and if the answer is yes then we should back out of those things whether that is being in nato whether that is certain foreign aid whether that is how taxes are collected and distributed so anyway kind of getting back to uh, Kavanaugh and this whole election thing. He, like I said, I do not think that they are going to, uh, even if even if they get uh, the numbers in the House and the Senate, I do not think that they are going to try and impeach Kavanaugh. And the main reason is, is because they understand that the pendulum will swing back and that they, uh, if they Im- impeach a guy, what's going to happen is that the Republicans are going to come back and they're going to impeach other people. Uh, they've played kind of a dangerous game a little bit. Uh, and maybe I am a little bit more cynical than most, but I thought a lot of this stuff, again, was a dog and pony show. Uh, If 
you know, if it had worked, let's say it if it worked and they had besmirched Kavanaugh to the point where they they were just going to say he's too hot, let's uh, let's put somebody else in, they would have got their goal. If even if uh, as happened, even if he got confirmed, they've made so much hue and cry and made so much uh, uh, stink about stuff that they appeal to their base. And they appeal, and, and what they also do, and this is very important too, what they also do is they get this stuff out on the air. They get this stuff, uh, excuse me, this stuff out to the media. The media talks about it over and over again. And again, it not only whips up their base, but maybe, just maybe, it gets some of those people that are sort of in the middle to kind of lean more towards their side. Again, it depends on who you talk to, but of course the Republicans are saying, "Oh, you know these—they've uh, gone too far. They went too far with their histrionics. They went too far with this uh, political show, and they've actually maybe alienated some of those people that are in the middle. They've actually alienated or started—they've started to alienate a lot of men who are Democrats." And those people are leaving. Maybe they're going independent. And you can say, well, you know what? The um, the independents usually are going to kind of vote more along the lines of the Democrats than they are than they are the Republicans. So even if they kind of go independent, well, it's uh, it's it's more in the column of the Democrats. But I think we might see a change. People are, are again, becoming disgusted with stuff. We've seen the, the growth of the Libertarian Party. And, and we've also seen the growth of uh, the Independent Party. Again, I think as, as each side, both right and left, become more entrenched and more polarized and more and more pushing the identity politics, I think you're going to see sort of a third thing grow. And that third thing is not going to be, oh, it's independent. It's not going to be the Greens or the Libertarians or anything. Although Libertarians is probably going to be the largest group. Uh, But they're probably not going to have the numbers to really do too much. Um, But maybe that combination of that third party of people who say, well, you know, I'm good on guns, but I'm, uh, I, I want to have the police reined in. I want to have uh, sanity brought back uh, into how we use our military. I don't think that we should just be taking the people that, again, we've got a volunteer force, so I don't think we should be taking the, the uh, people that have volunteered to serve in the military and just use them as pieces on a chessboard. And, you know, maybe I'm being naive a little bit, but I would like to see something like that happen. I would like to see that the people who are in charge of the government and in charge of the military would treat them with respect and, again, not be pawns on a board and that their lives really don't amount to much or mean much. That they can use them to ultimately enrich themselves. So, anyway... I am arriving at my destination, and uh, I will sign off for now. 
depending on how long the show is, and, and I don't really remember kind of what I said too much when I was in Utah, it may be a little kind of rambling and ranty, I don't know. But I may, the show may come to a close here. I don't know if it does. I will talk to you next time. If it does not, I will talk to you in a couple of seconds.